Something a little bit different to start off with. We'll turn to Ephesians chapter 3 in just a few minutes. But uh, if you look around, things have changed. Our campus is different than it was. <laughs> look out the window, you see the canopies and so forth. And uh, it's going to be a lot different before the afternoon is over. <laughs> and so uh, I'm going to ask two things of you. I know you came to church to worship the Lord, but uh, I've got a couple jobs for you to do. Okay, uh, uh, we're going to transform the, the inside of the church here this afternoon. So, uh, men, we need all of these red chairs taken back into the new sanctuary after, at the end of the service so we can set things up. And then there's a lot of other jobs that need to be done. Yes, we need That's what I said. <laughs> Every last one of them. Uh, if you wonder what can you do to help, uh, see either Ginger or Rochelle. I found out. They're both good at telling people what to do. <laughs> I, I, I knew that about Ginger, but I just learned that about Rochelle <laughs> the last few days. Uh, and, and they're in charge, so uh, they, they, they can. we can use your help in getting set up here after the service. Uh, the second thing that I have for you to do, I'm going to ask all of the uh, workers that are going to be here for the week to stand up for just a minute. We're going to have a moment of prayer. So if you're signed up to work in VBS this week, I want you to stand up. Now, these people have enough on their plate. They don't need another job to do. They're going to be busy all week. Those of us that are sitting down, uh, and I'm sitting because uh, my job is to look busy all week. <laughs> If I can look busy, they don't give me anything to do. But I, I want the rest of you to look around, and I want you to see one person, and I want you to commit to praying for that person this week. There's two standing in the back, and, and Gary and Lorna are not here today, but they'll be here all week. So find somebody that you know that you would like to pray for this week. and Who? Sandy Fuller will be with us as well. Uh, so uh, your your job is to every morning pray for that individual and, and help them get through this week. It's going to be a busy week. We have 76 now. Kids signed up. And so uh, we, we need your prayers. So I, I realize not everybody can be here and work, but we can all be somewhere and pray. So that, that's your commission this week. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to stop and say thank you for who you are, for what you mean to us, for the opportunity you've given us to touch 76 or more lives with the gospel message and with the word of God to build them up in their faith. We realize that takes a lot of work. We realize there'll be opposition to that from the powers of darkness, so we seek your help, your direction today. We pray for each one of these that are standing, that you would keep them safe throughout the week. Give them your wisdom when they need it. May they be a, a pipeline of your love to, the, to these young lives so that others looking at them will see a glimpse of Jesus Christ this week. We, we just look forward next week to celebrating the fact that you have worked in hearts and lives and in our midst. And we'll give you the thanks and praise for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. And we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 3 this morning, beginning with verse 14. A rather fitting passage for the task that's before us this week. Ephesians 3, 
Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You believe that today? Is he able to do something this week far beyond what we can imagine? Let's covered with the Lord to do that in our midst this week. As we look at this passage, I think of a man by the name of Mr. Yates during the Great Depression. He owned a huge chunk of land in Texas where he raised sheep. But because of the financial problems, he had been brought to the brink of bankruptcy. Just at that time, an oil company, believing there might be oil on his land, asked permission to drill some wells on his property. They soon discovered that uh, at a shallow depth, there was the, uh, one of the largest oil deposits ever found on the North American continent. Suddenly, overnight, he went from facing bankruptcy to becoming a, a billionaire. The amazing thing about that is that that resource, that wealth was there all the time. He just didn't realize it. And, and I wonder as we think about that, we, we've been looking in the opening chapters of Ephesians at some of the blessings that God has given to us. We have been blessed with a measure of his love. We have been blessed with his grace. We have been accepted into his family. And on and on goes the blessings that have been revealed to us in, in the opening two chapters of, of this particular book. But the question we need to wrestle with is, do we enjoy the wealth that he's given to us. Do we appropriate it? It's there, it's ours, but are we applying it to our lives? Or do we sometimes entertain discouragement and doubts and questions about who God is and, and what, what's going on in our life and why doesn't he do things our way and so forth? The, we all face problems in life. They come in many forms. They may be health issues. They, they may be financial issues. They may be interpersonal issues. How do we find help to cope with the pressures of daily living? One of the keys in the book of Ephesians is prayer. In, in this little book, he gives us two different prayers. Back in chapter 1, he gave us a prayer for enlightenment. In a sense, in chapter 1, what he was saying is, Lord, open our eyes. Help us to see the, the wisdom that you have made available to us. Help us to see the, the power that is there. Help us to really get a glimpse of who you are. Now when we come to the prayer that he gives us here in chapter 3, it's not a prayer for enlightenment. It's a prayer for enablement. In a very real sense, he's saying, Lord, help me to lay hold of the blessings. Help me to, to claim them. Help me to apply them to my life today. We all struggle at times with prayer. You ever wrestle with the question, if, if God is sovereign, why pray? He's going to do it his way anyhow, isn't he? 
And yet he asks us to pray. He, he not only asks us, he commands us to pray. And the fact of the matter is God works through prayer. He says in James, sometimes we have not. Why? Because we don't ask. We, we don't ask. I wonder what we miss of, of all of the, the riches that we've seen in the first two chapters of this book. I wonder how many of them we miss at times because we simply don't ask. We, we don't turn to the Lord. So as we pray, how should we pray? Three, three thoughts from the passage today. First of all, as we pray, we need to focus on who God is. Who is he? Uh, notice he starts out for this reason. Uh, what reason? Because of all that's been revealed up at, to this point about Jesus Christ, because of his power, because of what he's done for us, because in chapter 2 of the, the grace of God that has changed and transformed our life, because of the secret we saw last week of what he's doing in the church and what he wants to do in and through us. When, when Paul saw all of that, he was overwhelmed. And the result was, he said, I bow my knee. It expresses, and I don't think the posture is the important point, the issue here. Rather, it's the attitude of the heart. He was expressing his total dependence upon the Father. He was recognizing that he needed God in his life. And sometimes if we're not careful, we forget that, don't we? When things are going good, we think, I can do it myself. I, I don't need the Lord's help. And then, then he comes along with uh, a little bit of a trial in our lives and suddenly we realize, I can't do it alone. I, I do need his help. And, and, and we have to stop and focus for a while on who he really is in our lives. He is described here as our father. He says, I bow my knee before the, the father here. Now, I, I realize that's a hard picture for some people today, but that's the picture that God gave to us. In the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, remember, he said, our what? Our father who art in heaven. That, that's how we, we come before him today. Uh, he speaks of the fact here that we all derive, in a sense, our, verse 15, our name from him. We, we sometimes get to the, the impression, you know, when you read the Old Testament, he was the God of the Jews, the God of Israel. No, he's the God of every family. Uh, in, in Acts chapter 17, in verse uh, 28, Paul is preaching there. It says, for in him, in Christ, we live and move and have our being. And, and so forth there. So he is not just the God of the Jews. He's the, our father. He's the God of all who would come by faith to Jesus Christ. Now, many people today do not know who he is. They are ignorant of, of that fact. Sometimes that uh, term, our father, clouds the issues for, for some people. Uh, just because of that fact, though, doesn't mean we throw it out. That's how God has chosen to, to reveal himself to us. I know some translations have translated the Lord's Prayer, our mother. I, I don't think scripture allows that. I, I think you go back to the order of command given back in the book of Genesis. We, it, it's a reflection of who God really is. And he's established that, that chain of command today. And he has done so for a reason. Now, you may not have fully understand that reason or may not agree with it, but you can take that up with the Lord when you get home to glory. 
I'm not going to explain that to you today. It's simply this is what God said. We address him as our father who art in heaven there. Uh, One of the problems with that is sometimes people have had fathers that were not really a good father. Maybe they've abused the children or, or, or so forth, and, and it's hard for them to identify. Well, rather than throw the, the, the picture out, we need to come back to the scriptures and see what, what is God really saying in that? What, 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 is his, what, what does he want to com- communicate to us in that? Uh, I clipped out of Leadership Magazine a while back a, a little article entitled Vicarious Atonement. It's about a small boy who was consistently late coming home from school. And his parents warned him one day he, he might, that he had to be home on time. Uh, nevertheless, like a lot of other kids, he chose not to get home on time. And uh, this time he was met at the, at the door. His father met him, and he said absolutely nothing. They, they walked into the, the dining room table. Uh, the boy sat down at his place, and he looked at his plate, and there was a slice of bread and a glass of water. He looked over at his father's plate, and there was a, a full meal on the plate spread out before him there. The boy was crushed. The father remained silent. He waited for a few moments for the impact to, to set in, and then very quietly he took the boy's plate, placed it in front of him. He took his plate and placed it in front of the boy, and they began the, the meal there. That boy got the picture of what it means, our Father, who art in heaven. He got a glimpse of Jesus Christ through the action of his Father. He said, all of my life I've known what God is like because of my Father. So men, today you have a tremendous responsibility. If you're a father, I think the best thing you can do is pray for God's help to lead your children in the way that he wants you to do so that you can reveal Christ to them. Now I realize as I say that, that uh, many of us are beyond that stage. We have grandchildren, and some of you have great-grandchildren, and maybe great-great-grandchildren, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going that far. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in, in the Psalms, and I didn't look it up, but I think it's 72 or something like that, he says it's our responsibility not only to teach our children, but to the generation after that. So your job's not done just because your kids left home. You still have a responsibility to minister to the family and to demonstrate to them the the character of Jesus Christ because they need to see who God really is. If, If we're going to have victory in life, Lord, open our eyes to who you are. Open our eyes to to the fact that you are our heavenly father and all that that means today. Second thing he wants us to focus on as we pray is focus on what God provides. And I think it's important for us to remember prayer is not a blank check. You know, somebody gives you a blank check, you can fill in whatever you want on it there. You ever lose a check that you signed and hadn't filled in? You get some anxious moments if you do that. Uh, but uh, that's, that's not what he's saying about prayer. If you go back to the Lord's Prayer, remember, it's thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so according to his will now, what is it that he provides for us in this passage? First thing he reveals to us is the fact that he provides power. 
in verses 16 and 17. He says that he would grant you to what? To be strengthened with his power through the inner man, the inner spirit there. Uh, His power is available to us in the inner man. He has released that power to us today. But sometimes we have not because we ask not. He has promised to give us the strength that we need, has promised to work in us and through us, but do we always allow him to do that? As I think of the availability of his power, I think when we face temptation, you ever stop and and tell yourself, I can't overcome this temptation? And yet, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, he says, God is faithful. He will, with every temptation, give us a way of escape. But sometimes we don't see that way of escape because we don't ask. We figure, I can't do it, so uh, we just give up. No, he said, my power is available to you. Uh, Sometimes we feel inadequate. It's good for us to think about this week. Any of you having second thoughts about vacation Bible school? Can we really do this? Can, Can God work through each of us to touch a life, a heart, a soul, a in, in Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He is able to work through us this week if we are willing to ask. If we are willing to let him work through us, his power is available. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 28, he said, all power, all authority, he said, is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He gave us the authority. He gave us the power to be able to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you shall be my witnesses. And and yet, how many times do we sit back and say, I can't do that. I can't share Christ. Uh, What what if they ask me a question I don't know the answer for? Or or they're not going to listen anyhow. No, he said, you go and I'll go with you. I'll give you the power. I'll give you the help that, that you need to face that, that time in your life. You know, sometimes when we're out there on the firing line, uh, the, the, the best prayer we can pray is, Lord, help. You ever been in some of those situations? Uh, I think uh, Nehemiah was in one of those situations when, when he came before the king. And the king says, hey, what's going on, Nehemiah? I, I noticed your face is sad now. Now, that doesn't seem so terrible to us, but it was back in those days. No one was supposed to be sad in the presence of the king because the king thought of himself as God. And and who's going to be sad in the presence of God? So uh, uh, the penalty for being sad in the presence of the king was death. And so that's what he was facing. And you know what it says there? He said, I sent up a quick prayer. I think all he said was, Lord, help. And, And God was there to help him. That's a good prayer to pray at times. Uh, And I I wonder how many times some of you are going to have to pray that this week. Lord, help. Uh, uh, I I don't know how to answer this question or I don't know what to do or or whatever. Lord, give me your help in in this time. And, And notice here he says that help comes, that power comes as we allow, verse 17, Christ to do what? To dwell. In our hearts, the word "dwell" means to settle down and abide in our lives. It, it has the idea that He comes in, and He's the one that takes control. John chapter fifteen, He said, 
I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, uh, the, the same will bring forth much fruit. And in that same passage, he says in verse 5 there, without me, you can do nothing. We need to surrender ourselves to him, to his power, to give him control today so that he can work through us to the glory of Jesus Christ. The second thing that he provides for us here is love. In verse, the last part of verse 17, he says, so that you may be rooted and grounded in love. And uh, obviously we've all experienced his love. John chapter 3, 16 says, God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son. If you ever doubt the love of God, look to the cross. There you get a glimpse of the, the depth of his love for you. First John 4, 10 and 11 says, Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son as the propitiation of our sin. And then he goes on. If he stopped there, that would be great. But then he goes, does a little bit of meddling in verse 11. He says, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And uh, that's where it gets hard, isn't it? You, you ever ha- come across somebody that's unlovely? Somebody that's hard to love? Somebody that rubs you the wrong way? Uh, you ever been in some of those situations? Well, God's able to give you the love that you need at that time. Notice he uses two terms here. He, he says, I want you to be rooted in love. It takes us back to Psalm 1, where uh, we have, blessed is the man that... that uh, walketh not in the counsel of ungodly and so forth there, but uh, he, he's rooted in the Lord. He, he's drawing his strength and his power from the Lord. When I grew up, I grew up in Pennsylvania. Every once in a while, we would get a hurricane that would hit that part of the, the area. And we had some huge trees around our house. We had some maples. We had some oak trees. Uh, I, I, I mean, they were huge. And, and when those hurricanes would hit, those trees would get to sway and back and forth. Branches would come down, but I never saw one of those trees fall. And the reason for that is they were rooted deep down into the, the rocky ground that was there. They had sunk their roots down, and they, they held on because of the, the root structure that was there. I was a little bit surprised when I went up to uh, Chilenko Forks. To, to live, uh, they, they had a whole forest of jack pine up there. And uh, you get a small windstorm there, and some of those would come crashing down. Why? Because they didn't send the roots down very deep. Uh, they, they were easy to blow over. Uh, what he's suggesting is we need to be rooted in Jesus Christ. We need, need to spend time with him. We, we need to draw on his love. Uh, that, that's the foundation that we need. The second term he uses is we are not only rooted, but we're grounded in love. Now, that's an architectural term. Some of you in the construction business understand what he's saying there. When, when you build a building, uh, I, I like they were building a skyscraper once. And, you know, in the cities, they have these uh, walls around it and, and holes in it so people can look through and see what's going on there. And they were excavating. They were digging deeper and deeper. And finally, one man asked, why are they going so deep? And one of the engineers said, you've got to go deep if you want to go high. You've got to have that foundation. And that foundation for us is found in the love of Jesus Christ. We are rooted. We are grounded in him today. We've got to go deep into his love if we're going to soar with him today. I like the song, uh, The Love of God. 
Uh, George Beverly Shea sings it now. I, I didn't look it up. Did he actually write that? Any of you remember? No, he, didn't. he didn't. Okay. But but he, he sang it for years. And he would stop after the first verse or so, and he would talk about standing on the shore of the ocean. And he, he looking out and seeing the vastness of the ocean. Now I'm told, and I'm not a sailor, but I'm told you can see about 20 or 30 miles out to sea from the shore, standing on the shore. But his view of that was out there, there's more, much more. You only see just a small portion of it. And that's the idea that he has here. We only have witnessed, we've only experienced just a small portion of his love. Now, his love has changed us. It's transformed us. We thank the Lord for that. But you know what? We're just beginners when it comes to the love of God. There's so much more out there. We need to pray, Lord, reveal your love to me today. Reveal your love in a fresh way. Work, pour out your love in my heart so that others will get a glimpse of your love through me. And then he asked for wisdom in verses 18 and 19. He said, help us to comprehend in verse 18. That word comprehend means help us to get a hold of the truth, grab a hold of that truth. It's one thing to know. It's another thing to grab hold of it and experience it. And that's the idea that he has in mind here. Years ago in the University of Michigan, they came out with the definitive study on termites and the solution to termites. Uh, They had studied it out. They had research papers written on it. They had published it. They had sent it out to all kinds of people. And then they had boxes and boxes of those books or booklets left. And so what did they do? Instead of hauling it to the dump, they stored it in a room in the basement. I, I, I get ready to haul things to the dump sometimes when I go into the shed out here. We're people that love to save things, and and I'm not. I'm a tosser. One of these days, I'm going to get a truck, and I'm going to toss a lot of things. (laughs) But uh, somebody years later wrote and asked for a copy of that booklet. And so somebody went down into the basement where it had been stored, and guess what they found? Boxes of books riddled with termites. They had the solution. They didn't apply it. And so what he's saying here is we need to ask for wisdom, not just to know what God wants, but wisdom to apply it, to use it, to put it into practice in our lives. And that leads to the fourth one here. Uh, he is praying for the fullness of God in, in verse 19. We know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. We're filled up. To all the fullness of God. Now, I'm not going to go into that much today. We're going to go back to that when we get to chapter 5. In verse 18, we are to be what? Filled with the Spirit of God. That's how we're filled with with, with the fullness of of God here. But as I think about that, I I can't help but think of Romans chapter 5. In in verse 5, it says, God has, has shed his love abroad in our hearts. The picture he gives us there is that you and I are simply a pipeline. There's a tremendous reservoir of God's love. He just needs a channel through which to reveal that love to the world. And we can be filled up with that love. We can be filled up with that wisdom if we ask. We need to be willing to ask, though, 
and say, Lord, I'm available. I'm the channel through which you can send your love to a world that desperately needs to see the love of Jesus Christ. We can be filled up with that fullness today. And sometimes it's good for us to simply pray, Lord, help me to see you in a new light today. Help me to see who you are. Help me to see what you're able to do. Fill me with a, a new knowledge of what you want to do in my life. And that takes us to the 20 and 21 there where we focus on what God is able to do. And I love this passage. I trust you've committed these two verses to memory. If you haven't, do it this week. Well, not this week because some of you are going to be pretty busy. Uh, do it the following week. That, that, that's, that would be a good exercise there. It's one of those passages that just kind of stretches the imagination. Now, I realize some of you have overactive imaginations. I, I, I live with somebody like that. Won't mention her name, but I, uh, I, 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 I marvel sometimes at the imagination. I mean, to begin with, she imagined she could make something good out of me. <laughs> Still working on that. But uh, uh, if you've got an overactive imagination... Let it loose on this passage of scripture. You can't go beyond what God is able to do in your imagination here today. It's good, I think, sometimes for us to get our eyes off of ourself, get our eyes off of our abilities, get our eyes off of our resources and say, Lord, what is it that you're able to do? What do you want to do through me this week? What do you want to do through me in my life? Years ago, Philip Yancey wrote a book, and I never got beyond the title of the book. Matter of fact, I never even got a copy of the book. Uh, it's entitled, Your God is Too Small. That title just rubbed me the wrong way. I, I've never got into the book because of the title. Uh, uh, they say you can't judge a book by its cover, but I judge that one by its cover because I don't have a small God. I have a great and awesome God. I have a God that's able to do, he says, exceeding abundantly above anything that I could ask or think. Our God is the one who created the world. We're going to study that with the kids this week. He's the God of creation, uh, the, the God of the world a, a, around us. He's the God that stretched out the heavens. We can't begin to fathom the depth of what he is able to do and what he can do today. Uh, there's that spiritual that was from years ago. He's got the whole world in his hands. I, I learned that in the third grade I hadn't started going to church or knew anything about God, but I had a, a Quaker lady as our teacher for the third and fourth grade. And so she always made sure that we learned some songs that had a, a meaning to it. The unfortunate thing was she never explained them to us. We, we just, she said, you're going to memorize these. You're going to learn them there. And, and you didn't argue with Mrs. James. She may have been a Quaker lady, but uh, she was certainly not nonviolent. <laughs> yeah. She, she believed in using the rod. You didn't do your work. You, you were in serious trouble with her and, and uh, had a series of teachers like that. I, I don't know why I was persecuted, but we, we, we did. <laughs> but uh, I, I learned that song, and I thought, what a stupid song. I, I just couldn't fathom what they were talking about. But you know what? It's true. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's that almighty God. He's the one who created it. He's the one who sustains it. it. It's in his power today. If he ever walked away from it, we'd be in trouble. Uh, he's the one that keeps things going. Uh, uh, he, he sustains it for us t today. 
Think of the power of his word. Back in the book of Genesis, you remember that one of the first words that he said there? Let there be light. Now, the, the world was covered with darkness. Uh, it was void. He said, let there be light. And somebody turned on the light. It was there, just like that. Uh, it, it, uh, and, and he spoke the world into being there. It, it, as he approached the, the cross there, remember, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was put, arrested. Peter tried to take a sword and defend him there. And he says, you know, Peter put the sword up. He said, if I needed help, I could call 12 legions of angels. If he called 12 legions of angels, there wouldn't have been anything left of Rome. It, it would have been no problem for them to destroy the, the, the forces that were against him there. He had that power. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 32, Jeremiah speaks of the fact that uh, there's nothing too difficult for God. He's the almighty God. There's nothing too difficult for him. In Mark chapter 9, we have the story of a father who, whose son was demon-possessed. And, and as he came to Jesus' disciples, they were unable to help him. And then Jesus comes on the scene. And if you, do you recall what he said? He said to Jesus, if you can, would you help me? Remember how Jesus replied to that? He said, wait a minute. What do you mean, if I can? He said, if you believe, all things are possible. Uh, I wonder how many times do we limit God by our unbelief? How many times do we say, I can't do that? And God says, do it. How many times do we say, I don't have the power? And God probably says, amen to that. You don't have the power, but you've got me. And I'll work through you. And, and I'll work in you today. Uh, I, I, I like the response of that, Father. He said, I believe. Help my unbelief. And sometimes it's good for us to honest, be honest with the Lord and say, Lord, I've doubted you. I, I, I don't really know how you can do this, but uh, I believe you can. And, and I'm going to ask you to do it anyhow. Do we really believe that God can do what he says he can do? Do we believe that he can heal the hurts of the past? Do we believe that he can change hearts? Do, do we believe that he can meet needs t- today? Do we believe that he can empower us for service? Do we dare to believe that God is able to do anything beyond what we can even imagine, what we can ask or think today? Can, can God work in and through us in a mighty way? Are we willing to pray, Lord, be glorified in me, be glorified in my church, because that's the, the end result there. So often in prayer, our prayer life revolves around what? Our health, our finances, our, our own particular needs. Now, I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't pray about those. But what about praying for a measure of his love, of his power, of his wisdom? Do, do we go beyond just our immediate needs and say, Lord... If you're going to be glorified through me, if you're going to be glorified in our church, in verse 21, we need your love. We need your power. We, we need you to fill us. We, we need you to work in our lives. Are we willing to come and say, Lord, thy will be done. We're available. Do your work in us and through us today. Let's pray. Father, we marvel at what Paul was saying here, that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above anything that we can ask or think today.
That stretches our imagination, Lord. And we thank you for that. Thank you for your power, for your ability, for what you have made, the resources that you've made available to us. We know we can't do it ourselves, but you can. And so we thank you for that. And so, Father, we're going to pray this week that you would fill us with your wisdom, with your knowledge, with your power, with your fullness, Lord. May we be so taken up with you, we forget about ourselves, and we watch you work in and through us to the glory of Jesus Christ. And we're going to give you the thanks and praise for what you are able to do as we watch you work in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing, How Great Is Our God. I realize that's sung as an exclamation, but it's also a question. What do we really believe? How great do we believe he is today?